in some ways it kind of seems a shame to get into the Word, but I reckon I've got a cool, cool message for you tonight. And uh, just keep this atmosphere right now. Don't switch off, friends. Just keep this atmosphere of worship because at the end, what I want us to do is we're going to declare something tonight. And, uh, you know, Pastor Mike over these last two Sunday mornings has been talking about the vision for Bay City. And a couple of things that he mentioned was the need and the, and for souls. And then he also mentioned that another focus for the church is about the supernatural. And you see, that's not just about leadership desiring these things. It's about all of us as a church desiring this. It's about all of us as a church hungering after these things. You see, friends, because there are so many people out there in Hawke's Bay that are lost, that need a touch from God, that need an encounter from God, that need to come into a relationship with God. And my message tonight is called Unashamed because, you see, friends, if we're going to see people saved, then we need to be unashamed about who we are. We need to be unashamed about what we believe. We need to be unashamed about the stands that we make as Christians. You see, we don't need to apologize for the fact that we would stand for purity in our life. We don't need to justify for the reason why we're not drinking. We don't need to, to apologize for the fact that our life is, our focus is about others more than ourselves. We don't need to apologize and we don't need to explain why we would stand for wisdom in our finances, why we wouldn't just blow all of our money because that's what the world says. Oh, we'll give you an HP if you just come and see me. You see, friends, that is not the way God says, be wise with your money. And you see, as Christians, we don't need to apologize for the stands that we make because God is calling the church to be unashamed. God is calling you and I to be unashamed about who we are, to be unashamed about what we stand for, to be unashamed about what we believe. But you see, the problem is for many of us, we're afraid of what people would think instead of desiring what God would have for our life. You see, we let the fear of man stop us from being unashamed and, and are totally abandoned in our walk with God. You see, let me tell you this, friends, your, your friends won't stand next to you on judgment day when you stand before the Lord and you give an account for your life. It's just you and Him. But yet we let our friends determine the way we live our life. We let our friends determine how hard out we go for God, how totally abandoned we are for God, how unashamed we are for God, instead of desiring the things that God would have. You see, in the Bible, in Proverbs 10, it says, the desires of the righteous will be granted. The things that you desire will be granted. But you see, unfortunately, when we fear something and we allow that to rule our life, you know what often happens is that fear becomes a reality. You see, if you've been hurt before, when it comes to relationships, Maybe friends have hurt you. Maybe you've been in relationships and, and you've hurt you. Maybe you're here and marriages have busted up. And you know what? And you're feeling hurt and, and upset and, and you're in pain. And friends, that pain is justified. Because whenever we get hurt, it, it, always, it always hurts whenever people let us down. But you see, we're called to take it to the cross. We're not called to hold on to those hurts and those pains. And so what happens is 
for us, our fear might be not getting too close to anyone out of fear that they might hurt us again. But unfortunately, what happens is that we put walls up in our life, and so we don't allow ourselves to ever get into a genuine relationship with friends, with people, even with God. And so the very thing that we're afraid of happening, of being hurt again, actually we get hurt even more because now we're lonely. You see, in in the heart of every person, we desire to be loved. In the heart of every person, we desire to be accepted. So the very thing that you fear ends up a reality in your life. See, how much better would it be that we desire what we desire when we desire to see God come, where we desire to see God's presence manifested in our schools, where we desire to see God's presence manifested in our workplaces. The desire of the righteous will be granted. What is it that you desire tonight? Or what fear is ruling your life tonight? You see, friends, we're called to be unashamed. We're called to be unashamed that we would allow God to be God in our lives. That God would be allowed to do the fullness that He has planned for your life. That we would allow God to manifest His blessing to the fullness that He has for our life. You see, I've been reading Acts because for me, a real focus of the year, like it is for the church, is, is about seeing the presence of God. Increase not only for me personally, increase within the kids' ministry, increase within in my workplace, increase in every area. That's why the last few weeks we've been pushing the team to get out there and see kids encounter God into a new level because I'm desiring it. So now my team are desiring it. And now it's becoming a reality, but you know what, friends, it's just a start. I'm not satisfied with two or three, four or five kids seeing visions, although that is awesome and praise God for that. But I want all 80 to 100 kids out there seeing visions. I want all 80 to 100 kids out in the kids' ministry seeing the power and the presence of God that radically changes their life, that causes a generation of young people to rise up like never before. You know, the interesting thing about Acts is we see the New Testament church totally unashamed about who they are, totally unashamed about what they believe. But you know what? There are a few things that they did. And the first key that they did, the apostles, the church, the men of God, the disciples, was this. We see in Acts 1 verse 4 to 5. And Jesus appears to them, and he says, tells them to stay in Jerusalem until God sends them a gift, which was the Holy Spirit. You see, so the disciples did something really important here. They heard what God said, and they obeyed. Because, you see, Jesus knew that for them to do what God had called them to do, that they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed to be filled with the power of God because by themselves they were just ordinary people. But as they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, they would become superhuman freaks for God. 
doing the unnormal. As they were filled, people would be looking at them and saying, where do you come from, man? You're like a superhero or something. You see, they heard the voice of the Lord. See, some of us would run before our time. God shit, God tells us what he's called us to do. God sows the seed in our heart, and we have a desire for it. And then for some of us, the desire is so, and I have this problem, and uh, you know, it busts out of us that we run too fast, and we don't wait for the, Lord to, for the Lord's timing. You see, God has a timing for everything. So it's important that, friends, we hear and obey. You see, the disciples heard, and they obeyed. They waited. They waited. They waited. But not only did they wait, and this is the second point about what the disciples did, was that they positioned themselves to receive the gift. They positioned themselves to receive the Holy Spirit. You see, they didn't go out there. Jesus had come, and they could have been gone out there fishing and, you know, building things and having a good old time and just hanging around their mates and and doing whatever they did in those days. But they weren't. They positioned themselves to receive. You see, if I have a present up here tonight and you wanted it, you would have to position yourself to come and get it, which would mean you come into the place where the gift is, which means you come in, you couldn't get it if you stayed in your seat. You'd have to run out, and then you take receive the gift. You see, we've got to position ourselves to see the gift that God has. You see, the disciples, they positioned themselves, and in Acts 2, 1 to 4, it says this, that, all the believers were meeting together in one place. You know, they're probably doing church just like we are. They were all there meeting together, worshiping God and probably testifying and talking and, and hanging out and doing church. And, and then there was the suddenlies. Suddenly, 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 the presence of God came like a mighty rushing wind. And they started to speak in tongues. Tongues of fire appeared on top of their heads. And it says that people heard the, the ruckus, the noise that was going on, and they thought these guys must have been drunk. You know, people probably walk past here on a Sunday night, Sunday morning, hear the ruckus and the noise that's going on, and think, these guys are probably having one big party. Praise God we are. It's a Jesus party. There's no BYO. You just come here and you just grab what God's got. You don't have to go to the bottle store. It's all free. Because, see, God is a free gift. And I'll tell you, you don't end up with a headache in the end. But you end up empowered, excited, refreshed, ready to do what God's called you to do. They heard and obey. They positioned themselves to receive the gift. You know, I believe 2009 is a year we're going to see many suddenlies. Suddenly they were saved. Suddenly my knee was healed. Suddenly my back was healed. Suddenly, my finances have been unlocked into blessing. The year of suddenlies. But you see, you've got to position yourselves for it. You've got to be unashamed about who you are, unashamed about what you believe, unashamed about what you're standing for. And the third thing they did was this. They took what they had received and they went out to the community. So friends, it didn't stay in this place. It didn't stay in the church. They took what they received and they went out of the church and into the community. And it says this in Acts 2, verse 41, that they preached with great boldness and they saw 3,000 people saved that day. 3,000 in one day. 
because they had positioned themselves to receive the gift, to receive the Holy Spirit. Now they were excited, they were pumped, they were passionate, they were ready to go, and they went out and they caused some damage. 3,000 people in one day. We say it's impossible to get one. 3,000! And we're called to do what the Bible talks about that they did. We're called to do the same thing. 3,000. For some of that's more than our schools. So you see, it is possible to get your school saved. It is possible to get your workplace saved. Why? Because they were unashamed. They were unashamed about who they were. They were unashamed about what they stood for. They were unashamed about what they believed. They were unashamed about what, they, what the stands that they made. It says later on in Acts that they brought all their things. They sold their houses. They sold their lands. They brought, they brought it all together, and they gave it out. They helped people who, who had nothing. It says that they weren't jealous because there was no poverty, because they just shared evenly out amongst, amongst the disciples, amongst the people. Total abandonment before the Lord unashamed about who they were. You know what, friends? But the interesting thing about Acts, and and we read on a little bit further, and we see in Acts 4, you know, they've got 3,000 people saved, people who are healed, preaching with boldness, seeing miracles, seeing souls saved. But then all of a sudden, they hit this great big obstacle. And in Acts 4, it talks about how Peter and John were preaching with boldness, and the high priest came in, and it says that they were jealous, they were upset, they were angry about what they were doing, and they took them to stand before the council, but unfortunately it was late, at the end of the day, they had to spend a night in jail. You know, that's a pretty big obstacle. Here we see them moving in great power, great authority, then all of a sudden, bam, there's an obstacle in their way. And you know what, friends, for a lot of us, We've hit bang straight into an obstacle because you know what? When we are aggressively, unashamedly pursuing the presence, the power of God, there will be obstacles that will come and stand in our way. There will be obstacles that will come. And you know what an obstacle does? Its purpose is to take us off track. Its purpose is to take us off the course that we're going. I know when I'm driving along and I'm, and, I'm on, and I'm in a rush, I'm running late. How many people here run late at times? Well done. And, and, and you're driving really fast, slightly breaking the speed limit maybe, and praying that you don't get caught. How many people know prayer doesn't work that well? And, uh, and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden, 100K zone, you get behind a car that's going 80Ks. It's like, come on, what are you doing? It's 100K zone, you're not even doing that. And it's not even Sunday. Oh, man, it's like the, 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 oh, the anger. And, and it's like it just starts to boil over. And the horn's tooting. And, you, you know, you're trying to be all godly about it. But how many people know that it's not always easy when you're running late and the obstacle's in your way. And you're thinking, woman, if you don't move your car, or sir, hang on, how did it finish? Hang on, hang on. That's right, there's more women in the house. I better be careful. Let me change it. And you think, oh, sir, if you don't go any faster, man, I am going straight through this car. And it's like you can't go around it because there's so many corners. There's those yellow lines that I don't know who decided to put them there. And, uh, you know, cars are coming the other way. And it's, man, 
If only my car could turn into a plane and cruise over the obstacle. But you see, the, only, the other thing is, is that sometimes when we hit an obstacle, there's a detour. And they are just as frustrating. Because you know the problem with a detour is that it always takes longer to get to where you're going. You know, I remember we were going to Auckland and there was a detour of State Highway 1 and it took you all the way through this forest-looking thing with gravel and cars were going slow and it added an extra hour onto the trip. It was painful. It hurt. And Auckland's far enough as it is. But the other thing with the detour is that sometimes you end up getting lost and you never even get to your destination because now you're traveling down a path that you don't know. You see, for some of us, We've hit an obstacle. And you know the funny thing is, we get saved. We're all excited. We're all passionate. We're all going hard. And we're, yeah, I'm going to save my school. I'm going to save my workplace. Woohoo! Yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Then after a while, obstacle after obstacle, the friend that we were believing for has gotten worse. They're more of a heathen than they were before. The person that we prayed for to see them get healed, now they can't walk. And they're looking at you and saying, you're a Christian and you prayed for me and now I'm worse? What's going on? And we face the obstacle. And for some of us, we've just sat down and allowed the obstacle to stay. For others of us, we decided to take the detour and we're still trying to get to where, we, where our destination is. Some of us are lost. And I've been lost on those detours before. You know, I've got three keys that help us to overcome obstacles. The first one is this. We need to strengthen ourselves daily in the Lord. Strengthen yourself daily in the Lord. In Acts 4 verse 13, which is the story that I was talking about, about the obstacle that they faced, they got brought before the council, and, uh, and it says this. Acts 4 13, 13, there it is. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they had no special, special training in scriptures. Hang on, sorry. I jumped a line. For they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized these were the men that had been with Jesus. These were the men that had been with Jesus. You see, they strengthened themselves every day in the Lord. So when they faced the obstacle, it didn't take them off course. It didn't cause them to just sit down and give up because they strengthened themselves daily in the Lord. You know, you have people come to you and we all lead busy lives and they, and, and they come and say, you know, I've got to give up in the ministry that I'm in because I'm just so busy and I'm burnt out and I'm tired and, you know, they're all <clears throat> genuine thoughts, but... You know, if you strengthen yourself in the Lord, for many of us, we wouldn't need to give up. You see, because giving up something doesn't cause, you'll just fill it with something else. So you'll still be busy, you'll still be tired, you'll still be worn out, you'll still be overwhelmed, and things won't get any better. You'll give, out, give up on something else, and before you know it, you're not even anywhere near where God had purpose for you to be. But you see, if we can get a hold of this and just realize that actually giving up doesn't help, but strengthening ourselves in the Lord does, then we can continue on into the things that God's called us to do. That we would be unashamed. 
that when we face obstacles, we'd be unashamed. The second thing is, was that we've got to speak to the obstacle. And in Acts 4.19, it's a bit later on in the story, it says this, man, I encourage you to read this story when you get home, just for time, I'm just cruising on through it. And uh, it says this, 18 verse 19, so they called the apostles back and they commanded them, never, never speak again or teach in the name of Jesus. You know, most of us would say that, okay, radio, moving right along. Because we'd be scared to fear, you know. But these guys said something totally different. They said, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling because we're unashamed of who we are. We're unashamed of what we stand for. They spoke and declared that, no, we're not going to do the thing you want us to do. You see, I know in work and in business, I've had, and even now in the last week or so, two weeks ago, the week, the following week in work, was, work-wise, was, there was hardly, I had one job, which was like worth, you know, $100. It doesn't even pay my petrol. Doesn't even pay Shai's wages, you know. And so I was thinking, oh man, I was thinking, man, I need some more work. God, I need some work this this next week. Oh man, I just and this is what I was thinking. You know what? Nothing changed until I spoke. You see, you can think that this needs to happen, this needs to shift, but until you speak, you see, the word in, the, in, in uh, Genesis, the first word that was spoken was a creative word. Let there be light, and there was. You see, we're called, and our words are called to be creative. This, the Bible says there's power, death, and life is in the tongue. So we have power to call things into life. You see, and it wasn't until I speak, God, I need work. So he knows what I'm thinking, but he wants us to speak. He knows that there's an obstacle there, but he requires us to move towards him. And sometimes that requires us to speak. God, I need this obstacle to move. God, I need work. And you know what, friends? An hour or two hours later, the phone just started ringing. You see, I'd thought it for days and nothing had happened. It wasn't until I spoke. We need to speak to the obstacle. And sometimes we need to be unashamed about who we are, what we're standing for, to see it move. The last thing is this, and the band can come up is that we need to step back into action. You see, when obstacles hit, for many of us, we stay there. And for some of us, we get the breakthrough, but we still stay there. We need to step back into action. And in Acts 4.31, it says that uh, so they've been freed. Peter and John have been freed. And uh, they've gotten together with the believers again. And they were praying because they'd just been threatened about, if you keep talking, man, there's some nasty things going to happen. So they got together, they prayed, but they didn't just leave it there. They didn't just come to church and say, yeah, that's right, we need to do that. And then nothing changed. It says in 31, after the prayer meeting, the place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. They preached the Word of God with boldness. See, they stepped back into action. You can move this, bro. And you know, 
These guys' lives was about a life that was unashamed of who they were. Their life was a life that was unashamed about what people thought, that they were just totally abandoned to God. They, their desire was to see God no matter what the cost. Friends, what's your desire tonight? You see, for many of us, there's been times where we've been unashamed, where we can just boldly say who we are. But for many of us, there are times that we don't. And I know it's hard. And I know life's not easy being a Christian. And if you stand up in, in your workplace and be unashamed about who you are, you know, judgments might come. People might ridicule you. But you know what? We're called to take the cross up just like Jesus did. I know at school that if you're unashamed about who you are, friends might leave, they might give you hassle, they might give you stick. But let me ask you this. What's better? That or seeing the power of God manifest in your life in ways that you could never imagine, in ways that you could never dream, in ways that you could never believe. Because you know what, friends? As we as a church, as we as Christians, start to get unashamed about who we are, unashamed about what we believe, all sorts of possibilities will open. All sorts of, of doors will be open to see the power of God come. As you start to get unashamed in your school, you know what? Friends might leave, but friends will also start to come. Friends will go, friends will come. And you know what I believe will start to happen is this, is that you might lose some friends or it might be a little awkward for a while, but I believe as you continue to stand and you don't allow that obstacle to stand in your way and you continue to stand up unashamedly declaring who you are. And you know it's about asking God for wisdom about how to do that. But as we start to do that, friends, other kids at school will start to come. They'll start to come. They'll start to come. They'll start to come. And your workplaces, they'll start to come. Because people all over the city are looking, what is the meaning of life? But they're looking for someone who is unashamed about what they believe. They're not looking for someone who is wishy-washy, who is lukewarm. They're looking for the answer, and they're looking. People are out there looking. People in your schools are looking. As you walk down your corridors, who knows? The person who's coming the other way could be just ready to be saved. As you're sitting down having smoke go at work, your workmate might have just had his wife or husband leave and you are the very person and you've got the answer that they need. So with every eye closed right now, this is what I want us to do. I want to ask you this question. What will your stand be in 2009? What will your stand be? Will it be that God, 2009, I'll give it a go, Lord, but, you know, I don't know about talk, telling my friends or this and that. Or will it be that God, 2009 is a year that I'm going to unashamedly declare who I am. That, God, I'm going to live a life that is totally abandoned to you. Lord, I'm going to live a life, Lord God, where my lifestyle is unashamed about who I am, about what I believe. If that's you tonight, you say, Steve, I want to live that way. 
I want to commit that 2009 will be a year that I'm totally unashamed of who I am. Then I want you just where you are to raise your hand. Right where you are to raise your hand. There should be hands going up all over the place. All of us need to make this commitment. Holy Ghost. What I want us to do is that in a minute, we're going to come up the front here. And we're going to start to declare. We're going to sing, open up the gates. And as we do, we're going to start as we sing that unashamedly abandoned before the Lord. We're going to make that a declaration that, God, we will not lie down any further. That, God, we will not let fear rob us and control us any further. That, God, we will not let the opinions of man determine our life any longer. That, God, we are making a standard tonight. We are unashamed of who we are. We're unashamed of what we believe. We're unashamed of the stands that we make. And, God, as we sing, God, as we jump, God, as we praise you, that, God, we declare that, Lord, you would come and empower us tonight. You know, maybe you're here and you're unsaved. Then friends, the altar is open for you. See, today is a new day. Yesterday's gone and today is a new day. Today is a new day where you can be filled with the presence of God, just like we saw in Acts, where we can pray and the Holy Spirit will come and fill your life and empower you into a new life where the old is past and the new is beginning. See, friends, you might be unsaved here tonight. It's not a coincidence, not by accident that you're here. You're here because God had planned it that on this night in 2009 would be the start of something new for you. So what I want to do is that if you're here tonight and you're unsaved, as we, as the rest of the church who do made that call that tonight I'm declaring that I'm going to be unashamed as we come and we fill this altar I want you I'm going to be waiting for you right here I want you to come and to see me up the front if you're unsaved you've never asked Jesus into your life maybe you're backslidden and you gave it all away then to friends tonight you need to come and see me because I just want to pray for you that God would fill you with the Holy Spirit so come on church Let's stand, let's come and fill the altar. Let's come and just make a declaration of praise tonight that we're unashamed of who we are. And if you don't know Jesus or you're backslidden, you want to come back to the Lord, and I just ask you just to come and just meet me right in the front here. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's kick into it. Let's go hard. Open up the gates.